If you weren't with us last weekend, we started a new series at Big Valley, and it's a unique series. We've never done it before because in this series, no pastor from Big Valley is preaching. We've invited guest speakers in from around our community as we uh, started this series called One in Christ, a series talking about church unity, that we are all in this together, all of us as Christians. We might differ on little things, but we're all here for the cause of Christ. And last week, Glenn Berteau spoke, and he's from the house, and, and you might notice this cross up here, and uh, there's just a, a couple of thousand sheets of paper stuffed in there with tens of thousands of names on it. We asked all of you to fill out names of folks that who are not saved that you know, and some of them had two dozen or more names on them. And uh, our call for this month is to pray for those people, those lost ones, that us who are the church, one in Christ, would be a light to those who are lost. This week, our speaker is Mark Krieger from Modesto Covenant Church, and we are so excited that Mark could come and join us. Mark has been a pastor at Modesto Covenant for the last 12 years. He has served faithfully in in, in that church, serving the Lord, leading that body. And he's also pretty good at catching paper airplanes, from what I could see also there. Hey, listen, would you welcome Mark Krieger up onto the stage? Come on up, Mark. Well, it's great being with you this morning. How about if we begin a prayer? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. God, we thank you for the chance we've had already just to to bless you, to bless your holy name. God, to uh, experience you and, and to worship you together. Lord, already to get a sense of what it means to come together in, in, in one voice of worship. And Lord, we pray now that you would open your word up to us. God, we, we pray that you would allow your spirit to speak to us. God, give us a bigger picture of you as we encounter you through your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is, uh, it is great to be with you. Um, it, it's fun to be with you. I'm, I'm from uh, Modesto Covenant Church. My name is Mark Krieger. And uh, as Pastor Bobby shared, I've been there about 12 years, and it's, it's been a lot of fun to be with you today. I mean, it, it's, uh, I got a call from Pastor Rick back last fall in September, and, and he said, hey, Mark, we're doing this thing next June. Can you be involved with us? And, and I talked to our church leadership, and they said, yeah, that'd be great. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here. My, my church is all behind it. In fact, I shared with them last Sunday during our worship service that I'd be here. So part of what you're experiencing, One in Christ, has already helped our church think beyond ourselves in terms of me being here today. And so I, I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters at Modesto Covenant. And, uh, and it's been fun just to worship with you. I have to say, I've never uh, been in a church where there's been a paper airplane contest. <laughs> and so that's a lot. Of, I'm learning a whole lot of things um, here today. And uh, yeah, and had a chance to catch one of the planes there down, and that was a lot of fun. Um, so just, just a, a lot of fun to be with you. Um, we've been, uh, my wife and I have been here at 12 years. My, my wife is from Ripon, and I, I think she's in this service as well. Maybe eventually I'll, I'll see her. Um, oh, up in the balcony. Good. To, thanks for raising your hand. And... Uh, <laughs> Just happened to spot you right, right then. Um, my, my wife is from Ripon. We were married at First Baptist Church here in town, now Cross Point. 
because uh, she grew up at that church. So it's, it's fun for us to be here. We have family in this area, and uh, it's, it's just great to be here with you, uh, maybe especially even on Father's Day. Um, just fun to be together. And, and as we talk today about being uh, one in Christ, I thought I'd, I'd begin with a Father's Day story. Actually, it's a story of my grandfather. I was talking yesterday to my brother on the phone. I have one brother. My brother's one year older than me, so I'm the, I'm the little brother. And he and I, growing up, we used to fight all the time. And, uh, and we're, we're great friends now. In fact, we're both pastors, and he is up in Sacramento, and I'm here, and we call each other at least once a week. And, and he called me yesterday. He said, Mark, what are you doing this weekend? I said, well, I'm, I'm actually going to speak at another church. And so we got talking about that, and he said, Mark, do you remember when we were kids, and we were in our, our living room, and, and we were wrestling? And this wasn't just like fun, play, you know, who can pin the other person. It's like we were upset. We were fighting. And, and I remember because usually it didn't turn out that way. So this is a story for parents who kids fight. Um, you, you know, usually like I would say something to him. I'd set him off and I'd run. I was faster than he was. So, uh, you know, he wouldn't catch me. I'd get in my room and lock the door. Well, this, this particular time, we were actually wrestling and my, my grandparents were visiting. My grandpa was sitting at the kitchen table. And here we are in the living room, kind of going at it, going crazy. And um, my grandfather was there. And we, we looked up. And we, we both noticed this. Uh, my, my grandfather was crying. And there were tears uh, coming down his cheeks. And, and we, we stopped. said, Grandpa, what's wrong? He said, I'm just upset. I'm sad that you guys can't get along. And I don't have a lot of memories of my grandparents, but that's one of them. And thinking of us and thinking of the church and thinking of our Father in heaven, when God looks down on us, what does he see? Does he see believers, Christians, and even churches that just can't get along? And, and is his heart broken by us? Or... Conversely, anytime I tell my parents that I've just been on the phone with my brother or anytime I tell them, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to a pastor's conference and my brother Greg, he, we're going to be roommates and we're going to hang out. Like, I just know my, my parents' heart, it's like overjoyed. They love it when we get along, when, when there, there's unity, when we're growing together. And, and that's what I want us to talk about. What does it mean to be one in Christ? What, is, what does that mean for us? Why do we want unity? Why do we need to recognize that we're not in this alone? Is it, do, do we do this just, um, is, it, is, it, is it a selfish motivation? Do we do it for ourselves? Do we, do we seek unity um, to make ourselves look good? Or, or to somehow be stronger or to have better influence in the community? Or do we seek unity to have a, a bigger picture of God? to have a bigger experience of God and, and to allow God to do things through us that aren't even just for us, but are for those outside the church that we can have a greater witness and reach people that we could never reach just by ourselves. And I think that's what God wants for us. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to jump to uh, Ephesians chapter 4 as well. 
So if you have your Bible with you, turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 12. It's a familiar passage. By the way, as I'm turning there, it's, it's great being with you guys. I was saying to, uh, to Bobby earlier, I was saying, you know, I got to figure out a way I can wear jeans to church on Sunday morning. So it's just, it's a lot of fun being with you at this service. Second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a familiar passage on spiritual gifts. Let me, let me read it for us. Beginning at verse 4, it says this, 1 Corinthians 12, 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And then look at verse 7. What we see in verse 7 here, um, Paul's getting behind our, our motivations for oneness. And he says, as, as we think about gifting and diversity in the body of Christ, and even as we'll talk about unity, what matters is that we have the right reason behind it. And, and look at this here in verse 7. It says, now to each one of us, the manifestation of the Spirit is given, and for what person, purpose? For the common good. And, and in my Bible, I've underlined that. For the common good. So we all have different gifts. If you're, a, if you're a, a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've asked Jesus into your life, the Holy Spirit hasn't dwelt you and he's given you gifts. Each of us are gifted differently, but we're all gifted. And, and our, our reason behind unity is not just for ourselves. When we, when we follow Jesus, it's, it's not just a, a focus on what do I do? What's my experience with God? But it, it's about the body. It's, it's about oneness in the body. That we use our gifts. We, we use who we are, not just for ourselves, but for others. So let's, let's expand that. Not only about the local church. Think about the, the, the church in Modesto, the, the broader church. God has not only gifted us individually. God has gifted churches Churches have giftings. Big Valley Grace Church, you guys have a whole lot of gifts. A whole lot of things that you do really well. Covenant Grove Church, we heard from Pastor Scott. Covenant Grove has a gifting. They're doing things. They are reaching things. They're, they're reaching people that Modesto Covenant isn't reaching because they have a unique giftedness. In fact, it was great for me to hear Scott and Hannah. Um, Scott was our former youth pastor. And, uh, and they're just a great ministry couple. We, as a church, launched them off. We said, hey, if any of you want to help Pastor Scott launch a new church in Modesto that's going to reach different people, we encourage them to go do that. And he started with kind of a, a, a core group that has grown because they're uniquely gifted. They can go to church on a Sunday morning and not only have a pastor in jeans, but as you saw Scott up here, a pastor in flip-flops. In fact, he puts that on some of his invitation cards because we're all different. We all have a different gifting. It's not just about what God does in, in my life or even in my local church. It's what God is doing in all of our churches. He's gifted us all differently. And so it isn't a comparison game. It isn't saying, well, you know, my church is better than your church or, or you know, my gifting is better than your gifting. We're all needed. 
because we're all going to reach different people. Your church is going to reach different people than my church or Scott's church or Pastor Glenn's church last week. We're all needed for the ministry of the body, for the whole body. And, and look, uh, look ahead even at verse 11. It says, all these are the work of the one and same spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. So that there's a different measure of giftedness for each of us. We have, we have measures of gifting. My, my gifting and preaching and teaching is different than Pastor Rick, is different than Pastor Glenn, is different than somebody like uh, Chuck Swindoll. I, I, I love following Chuck Swindoll, read his books, and you know, kind of follow along with a lot of what he does. Over the years, I've done that. We just recognize we're, we're gifted differently. Churches are gifted differently. And so we, we, we celebrate how God has gifted us. So the, the, the reasoning, it's unity. We have the right reason. It's, it's for the whole body. And flip over to chapter 14. In, in chapter 14, we also see that it's, it's, we have the right focus, that it isn't just about ourselves. The Corinthian church was completely focused on their, themselves. If, if you remember some of the background of 1 Corinthians, it was a church that in their worship service, they were pretty much out of control. I mean, one person was talking and then another person, they're using different kind of gifts, all interrupting each other. And it was all about making themselves look good. So what Paul says to the church in Corinth, chapter 14, verse 12, he says, so it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the spirit, Try to excel in those that build up the body. So in our, in our giftedness and in our expression of living out Christ, it's for the whole body. It's not just for us. It's not just to make any one of us look good. It's not just for making any one church look good. It's not about ourselves. And let me just say this really quick. Um, our, our different giftedness, for some of us, it's, it's going to put us in places where we're more recognized. Like today, I'm up front here, and God's call in my life and his gifting, it's, it's, it's a place where it, it puts me in front of people. And I had this conversation with a guy actually about a week and a half ago. I was at the Modesto Pastors Prayer Breakfast. And by the way, a, a wonderful uh, event. Uh, Mark Vache in our community spoke. Um, I saw like Jeff Pishney from your church was there. And uh, I, I met a guy there who, um, you know, we had kind of some common background. He had gone to UC Davis and I'd gone there. We had both played football there. And uh, so we just, you know, talking, talking shop a little bit. And we had this conversation. He said, Mark, what's it like for you in the church when so many people know you because you're up front, but you don't know them to the same degree? And we just talked about that dynamic. And of course, it's very different for me because my church, Modesto Covenant, we're a church of about 500 people. Um, so, a, you know, different, different size congregation. But, you know, what I said to him, I said, really, it's, it's not about me. It's, it's about our church. And, and that's what's true 
here as well. It's, it's not about any one of us. It's about what we as churches do together. It's not about any one church. It's what God can do with churches together in the city of Modesto. And that's when it makes a difference, even in people outside the church, when it's not lifting ourselves up. Let me say this also. If, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you, you've not asked Jesus into your life, you've not received his forgiveness. What I'm talking about here, about not living for yourself, not, not drawing attention to yourself, but your life not just being all about you, that's really where the Christian life begins. It begins at that place where we say, God, I need you. Um, I, I can't do it on my own. I need your love. I need your forgiveness. I need you in my life. And that's the most important decision any of us will ever make. Where we begin that relationship with God. But let me also say this, that as a follower of Jesus, it's, it's still a lifelong process of dying to myself and of living for God. Because my natural tendency as a sinner is, is to live for me. Uh, to, to be selfish. So we, we have the right focus in, in oneness. And as, as the church comes together and as the body of Christ comes together, it's, it's a focus on Jesus. In fact, I, I think that's one way we can test whether a movement is from God. When we see God working in a church or God working in churches in general? Is it about a person in the limelight or even one church in the limelight or is it about Jesus? Is, is, is it a focus on God and is God glorified in that? I, I think back to, I think the year was 1997. I was doing ministry um, at a church in Minnesota and there was a Promise Keeper event in Washington, D.C., it was on the Capitol Plaza. And I don't know if some of you remember this. Does anybody go to that besides me? Any of you here? Head over there. Great. Um, I remember that event because it was all these people coming to the Capitol. And, and what do people do when they come to Washington, D.C.? They're there to make a statement. But here's the statement that was made. It was men humbling themselves. I just remember being on my knees and I'd never been to the Capitol before, and there's all this grandeur all around you. But what it was, it was men on their knees praying in repentance, saying, God, I need you. And I think that's when it's a movement of God. When it's not just about me or, or uh, uh, you know, it's not about power and influence. It's about our need for Jesus and our need for God. So the right focus, not focusing on self, but looking to build up the body, looking at Jesus. Flip with me to Ephesians chapter four. And we're gonna end kind of looking at a few verses here in Ephesians four. And, and I, wanted to, I wanted to focus on Ephesians four because it's a book all about the church. The, the first three chapters are basically... Um, Paul's theology of the church. And then in chapter four, he starts to talk about how this is lived out. 
In Ephesians chapter four, verse three, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So he's talking about unity and oneness. Verse four of Ephesians four. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Notice all the ones. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now jump ahead to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Let me continue on verse 13. 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole fullness of Christ. So why do we come together? What's the purpose of unity? Paul says there's, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, all these ones where, where there's unity in the spirit. End of verse 12. So that the body of Christ may be built up. It's to grow the body. Again, it's not for ourselves. It's for the body. To grow the body. To give of ourselves for others. Let me ask you, in your church right here, if everyone were as committed as you are, if everyone here was using their gifts just as you were, what would the church look like? Would the church be doing new things and thriving and, and, and using gifts that were previously unused? Or, or would the ministry of the church shrink back? Our experience with Christ is to be one in Christ, to be together, to, to live our lives together in community, to grow the body, to live not just for ourselves. Because when, when we live for others to grow the body, we ourselves grow. And I have the opportunity as a pastor just to, you know, kind of be a spiritual coach for people, to talk to people about how they can grow in their walk with the Lord. And, and one of the things that I was just talking to our, our youth pastor about this the other day, who actually had a chance to speak here last Wednesday night with your youth. Um, he said this, the, the word I hate more than anything else. And I think a lot of us pastors, when we hear this, we, we think the same thing. When somebody comes up to us and they say, pastor, I'm just not being fed. Pastor, I'm not being fed. And when somebody says that to us, you know, a lot of thoughts kind of run through our head. You know, I, I turn around, just, I kind of ask them, you know, how, how are you nurturing your own walk with the Lord? What are you doing during the week? How are you spending time in the word? How are you spending time in service? You know, it's, it's so much more than just kind of spoon feeding people on a Sunday morning. I read a book about a month and a half ago by Francis Chan. It was called, um, uh, it's a book on the Holy Spirit. Here I am, third service. I can't remember the name of the book. Uh, the, the Forgotten God. There we go. The Forgotten God. Um, 
Francis Chan wrote this book. It's on the Holy Spirit. And he asked a couple questions talking about growth. And I want to share them with you because I think they're helpful for us, as, even for you, as you move through this message series, as God works for you ex to experience more of God and more of his spirit and, and God doing bigger things. Here's a couple questions, maybe even for your own personal life. The first one is this. Is my life too safe? Is my life too safe? And if you're taking notes, add the word comfort. It's a, it's a question of comfort. I, am I living just for myself? You know, is, is my goal in life comfort to get more things, uh, for everything just to be smooth, to watch as much 49er football and Giants baseball as possible? You know, here we are, Father's Day. Is, is my goal to have this easy chair? In fact, I was just talking to somebody from our church. Uh, what did she get her husband? This great reclining chair. She had like been putting money away every month, like not letting him know about it. He does the finances. She was like stealing money. And uh, she saved up all this money and bought him a recliner. And uh, she was going to be giving that to him. So what a, what a cool, you know, present. But, but is, that our, is that our goal? Comfort. And if it is, how are you growing? You know, think, think of your own experience of God. Those times when you're challenged, how, how you grow, unlike any other time in your life. Um, you're, you're challenged. You, you talk with somebody, maybe, maybe somebody on this list up here, one of these names that you wrote, somebody who doesn't know Jesus, and they come to you and they ask you, they say, um, you're a Christian, how can you believe in a God who allows something like those tornadoes in Oklahoma? Or, or how do you believe in, in a loving God when we think back a few months ago to what happened on the East Coast with those children? And, and you take a deep breath and you just shoot up a quick prayer and, and you do the best you can. You, you know, you, you talk about um, yeah, there's a lot of things in life we just can't explain. You know, you, you, you talk about how the, the world isn't what God had created, sin in the world, and, you know, choices people make, and, but that reality that God is with us through everything. And then, and then you turn it and you say, is that your experience? Do you know that God is with you? Have you received Jesus into your life? Do you, do you know that? And, and as you share those words, just everything within you is kind of tingling. And you sense the Holy Spirit giving you the words and you're stumbling, but yet God is working and, and you're growing because you're not playing it safe. You've, you've chosen to enter into that conversation. Or maybe that phone call you get in the middle of the night, it's, it's a family member with a health crisis or maybe the, the loss of, of a loved one. And you, you share that with others and people are praying for you. You have a support network around you because you're, you're part of the body of Christ and they're, they're carrying you through this time through their prayers and you experience God in unique ways. There are, there are people around the world right now who are dying for their faith. There's more persecution in the church today than there ever has been. 
when we step out in faith, when we, when we say, no, I, I'm not going to live for comfort. As I look at my time, as I look at my money, I'm going to invest in the kingdom of God. Then you experience growth. Let me say this. One in Christ, this whole message series you're doing last week and the next couple weeks, for, for Pastor Rick to invite in pastors from the community, that is not playing it safe. Rick has no idea what I'm going to share, what's going to be shared in the next couple weeks. But he's chosen to step out in faith and trust that you're going to get a bigger picture of God, that God is going to do something uniquely because you've chosen not to play it safe. And I believe you are going to experience something that you've experienced something last week, this week, and the next couple weeks that... God can only do because Pastor Rick and your church leadership said, we're not going to play it safe. We're going to trust God that he is giving us these ideas and moving us in this direction. I mean, already it's been a blessing to our church just to know that, hey, we are part of being one in Christ. I talked a little longer on that than I'd planned, but I, I, that's so important not to play it safe. The second question is, is my life too loud? Is, is my life too loud? Are, are there too many voices? Am I hearing too much? As, as I read Francis Chan's book, I was reading John 14 at the same time. And, and John 14, Jesus says, and I encourage you, maybe you can read it this week in your devotional life. I, I was reading it in my devotional life uh, a couple months ago. John 14, Jesus says, my peace I give you, not as the world. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And, and this, for me, was in the midst of just craziness in my ministry. I mean, ministry at times is just plain hard. And, and I, I read those words, and I was reminded that Jesus is with me. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives. What does the world give us? The world gives us more activity, more things to do, things that are going to fill my calendar, voices that are going to speak to me that are going to drown out that still small voice of the Spirit. Last night after your Saturday evening service, um, I, was, I was out near your welcome center. I was talking to a guy and he said, you know, I begin every day on my knees in prayer and I just have an experience of God throughout the day. And I said, you get it. That's it. That's what growth is all about. It's, it's about being part of the body of Christ and, and in the midst of that, because ministry can even do this, still hearing that still small voice and not allowing the craziness of life to drown out the voice of Jesus. So is my life too safe? Is my life too loud? Uh, just a, a last quote from Francis Chan before we kind of move on and wrap it up. Francis Chan says, don't let your personal baggage keep you from enjoying this intimacy that both your spirit and God's spirit longs for. We, we can bring personal baggage in that might keep us from connecting in the body of Christ. 
You know, it was, it was great to hear uh, Pastor Scott's word about his father earlier today. I mean, some of us, even on Father's Day, bring in personal baggage and we say, boy, I just have a hard time connecting with God because of um, my experience with my own dad. For, for me, it's a different kind of experience. I had a great dad, you know, I grew up in the church. Um, but one of the things I learned from my dad was a work ethic uh, we grew up in the Bay Area. My dad commuted to San Francisco, left early in the morning, came back late at night, around 7 o'clock every night, provided for the family. But I, I, I find for myself, it can become workaholism. It can become dysfunctional. It can crown out, uh, crowd out and drown out God's voice in my life. So not allowing our lives to get too loud. So our, our, our purpose then in oneness in the body of Christ, getting back to Ephesians 4, verse 15, as we're maturing, as we're growing, verse 15, it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body. So we're, we're growing, we're maturing the body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So our focus is Christ. Again, it's not ourselves. It's not our own giftedness. And, and it's not even, the word I've given here in pursuing Christ, it's not even miracles. It isn't even an act of God that we're pursuing. We're pursuing God, not just miracles. Now, I, I don't know anybody who doesn't want a miracle in their life. I mean... I think even, even today, um, this, this, this morning, you know, I, I just bumped into somebody who just had great need in her life. She was in tears. And, and, and I think, boy, God, and me, not knowing anything of the situation, just kind of walking by and seeing somebody. As, as we pray for people, what do we pray for? Now, when there's like a health crisis and, you know, people need things in their life, absolutely, we want to pray for those things. I've never, I've never met somebody who doesn't want to be healed. But what do we need more than anything in those places of need, in those times of heartache in our life? We need Jesus. We need Jesus. And if he does something great and big and huge and wonderful, that is great. And even as we think of oneness in the body of Christ, if, if God chooses to do something great and huge and big and wonderful, that's great. But what do we really need? We need Jesus. We pursue Christ. I, I think back even to my junior high days. Um, I grew up going to a church plant, small church in San Rafael. It was called Marin Covenant Church. And I mean, that's one of the reasons I have a heart for church planting. Like with, with uh, Scott, we heard from Scott Nelson, we heard from earlier. Um, I had a junior high group, about four or five people. We, have a, we had a junior high director. She was a part-time junior high director. She was like a grad student in college. She helped the junior high group. And she had read a book about God doing miracles. Maybe some of you remember this book. It was from kind of the late 70s. Um, as a junior high kid, we thought, great, let's, let's pray for a miracle. So she said this, she said, why don't we pray every Sunday morning and let's pray for a half hour before the church worship service. And as junior high kids, we thought, um, okay. 
So we did that every Sunday. We, we met at, the, at an elementary school, Miller Creek Elementary School, in the gym. So there was like a gym right in here. There was a stage off of the gym with curtains. And so we met behind the curtain and we prayed. Every Sunday, 30 minutes before the worship service, we prayed for that half hour. And we even set a date. We said, God, do a miracle by this date. And we prayed every Sunday. In fact, we had a retreat and we were journaling and talking about what God was doing in our life. And, and we set that date. We prayed, we prayed. That date came. And then the day passed. And we said, God, what was the miracle? What was the miracle that you wanted us to see? Now, looking back on it, maybe the miracle was that junior high kids were praying for 30 minutes before a church service. <laughs> but that, that's kind of what we, as we thought and prayed about, we said, maybe what God wanted us to, to experience was more of him, more of Jesus. And if he chose to do a miracle, great. But what we had in those four or five months was, it was an experience of God. And I shared this with our church about a month ago to our high school students and our 11 o'clock worship service. We've got a few rows of high school students that all sit right up front. And I said, you know what the miracle that God wants to do in your life? It isn't that you have this incredible like mountaintop experience from the winter camp you went on or that, uh, you know, you, you have this, um, you know, summer experience like you had last summer where you all went away somewhere and there's this amazing thing. That's, if God does something amazing in your life, great. But what does God really want for you? He wants for you to be walking with Jesus today and five years from now and 10 years from now. I I think the miracle that God wants for each of us is that we walk with him for a lifetime, that our families walk with him for a lifetime, that we as churches experience God and are faithful with God for a lifetime. And if God chooses to do something in the midst of us experiencing that together, great. But you know what? God, when he does things, he typically doesn't repeat them. Like God might do something great in our life or even in the city of Modesto at one time, but God is creator of the world. That means God is creative and God is way too creative to keep doing the same thing again and again. And so what do we do? We pursue Christ together. And we trust that God is gonna work and it might look totally differently today than it did yesterday. But that's okay because I want Jesus and Jesus is all that I need today. And we praise God for that. And the last purpose of, of oneness that I wanna give with you, and it's, it's not from Ephesians 4, but it's, it's a reality of our experience of God together. It's from Acts chapter one, verse eight. It's witnessing to the world. where Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That we're to experience God and to experience God's love and togetherness and unity and growth and, and a powerful experience of Jesus but it's not just for us. 
is for the world outside. And we have to end with that. Because if we just have a powerful experience of Jesus, and that's all it is, is just for us, then we've really missed God's heart in the whole thing. Because when God looks down on us, what does he see? Not only does he want us to have a church that's together and that is one and that blesses his heart, but he wants to see a church that has a heart for the world. As we look at these names up on this cross, as maybe you consider the names that are on your heart, Maybe you're here last Sunday and you wrote those names down, but maybe, maybe today, today on Father's Day, maybe you're even getting together with some family members, people you love, but they don't know Jesus. What does God want? He wants you to grow in him, to experience him, for us as churches to experience him together. But he wants those family members, those friends, those loved ones, those people who don't know Jesus, they want, God wants them to see your life and for them to be introduced to Jesus. Let me close with this verse. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you love us so much. God, we thank you that we can experience more of you when we're together, when we're one in Christ. God, when we as churches even come together. And God, we recognize that you as our loving Heavenly Father wants so much for us, God, you want us to grow. You want us to step out of those comfort zones. And God, I, I even just begin by praying for many of us, including myself. God, our, our default is to play it safe. Our default is to think about ourselves. God, my, my default is to just fill my life with more and, and to miss your voice, God, today. Move in us. God, show us those places where we need to step out in faith, where we need to quiet our lives and hear from you. God, where we need to choose to be faithful and use our giftedness and all that you've given us, God, not just for ourselves, but for your work and for your kingdom. And God, with all of that, as we see these names behind us, these slips of paper, God, as we consider those who don't know you, God, may our lives be that testimony. May those who don't know you see your light shining within us. And God, may they come to know you as Lord and Savior. May they receive you. May they give you the glory. May they see their need for you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.